Welcome to another episode of the Memphis Mid-South Mississippi Pink Podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Young, and my lovely co-host, Miss Molly May, author of My Crowning Achievement. Over a span of 4,000 years, concepts of medicine and disease have changed, driven at the times by remarkable men and women, and more recently by the relentless progress of technology. In looking for the cause of disease, the earliest physicians embraced the entire body and often also the God and goddess, the stars and the heavenly bodies in their orbits. Then came the four humans and other theories holding physicians enthralled for almost 2,000 years, yielding only in the last few years to the notion of organ-based disease and the rise of anatomical pathology. Next came the invention of microscopes as a scientific tool. Concepts were refocused from organ to tissue to cell, even smaller, affecting the birth of histopathology that has held sway in pathology for just a century and a half. Then the revision of ideas from cell-based disease to gene-based disease to individual molecules and their interplay. Excerpts from the International Journal of Pathology. As we can see the rich history of pathology, pathologists have had an important role in medicine, and this is profoundly evident in the care of breast cancer patients. Welcome to part two of Understanding Your Pathology Report with Dr. Timothy Allen, Chair of Pathology at the University of Mississippi Medical Center right here in Jackson, Mississippi. My co-host, Molly May, was out sick for part one, but is back with me today, and I'm so excited to have her for part two. At the age of 19, Molly was the youngest person to undergo a double mastectomy in the state of Mississippi. She has participated in Miss Mississippi pageant for several years, receiving the honor of second runner-up in one of those years. Molly wrote her first memoir about breast cancer journey entitled My Crowning Achievement, Beating Cancer, in August 2018. Welcome back, Molly and Dr. Allen. Thank you. I'm glad to be back this week. It's nice to finally get to interact with you, Dr. Allen. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be back and visiting with you all on this very important subject. In clinical care, pathologists make the diagnosis of breast cancer. They determine whether a tumor is benign or malignant, as well as how far the tumor has grown within the breast, and whether it has spread to lymph nodes or other organs. They also determine kinds of proteins the tumor expresses, such as ER and HER2, and their analysis determines whether or not the tumor should be treated with endocrine therapy, like tamoxifen, among others, and anti-HER2 therapy, like chetuzumab, among others. Others. Oncologists and surgeons read the diagnosis and analyze the patients and they generally treat patients based upon standard protocol for this diagnosis. Dr. Allen, would you recap for us um, the role of the pathology and why it is so important and what is needed to render a diagnosis? Well, yes, thank you. Uh, the pathologist is a physician who's trained for many years to diagnose disease. The pathologist also runs the laboratory and makes sure the quality of the laboratory is appropriate and uh, meets a level of excellence in diagnostic uh, uh, skills so that we can make sure that the specimen that we receive is processed correctly and make sure that the diagnosis that the pathologist renders is accurate. Uh, in fact, until there's an accurate diagnosis of any disease, including breast disease, uh, it's impossible to say what the best course of therapy could be. And so once a diagnosis is rendered off of a, a biopsy, often a core biopsy uh, in, in, with breast cancer patients, 
uh, then the surgeons and oncologists can assess how to best follow the patient with treatment. Uh, pathologists work very closely with our colleagues both on both sides, both in assessing how to best biopsy a piece of tissue from a patient and also how to uh, treat the patient once the diagnosis is made. The pathologist does an array of, as you mentioned, uh, molecular testing and, and looking for potential immunotherapies and molecular therapies that may give patients with a certain type of disease, a certain type of molecular profile, a better chance at, at uh, cure or long-term survival. It's also important for the pathologist to communicate very closely with the colleagues that, that she or he works with to make sure there's no misinterpretation or misunderstanding because these are sometimes very complicated diagnoses and very detailed uh, criteria need to be assessed. Pathologists also are, are welcome, frankly, uh, phone calls or visits from patients to look at the slides with the patient or talk about the case with the patient. It's important, I think, in today's world, as complicated as things are, to make sure our patients and their families are very comfortable with the diagnoses that are rendered and are very comfortable with their, their uh, potential therapies coming forward from that diagnosis. In many hospitals, there are uh, e-portals or other ways of assessing uh, the uh, patient's medical record directly by the patient. And I would encourage every patient to look there and find the pathology reports and review the biopsy reports or excision reports that the pathologist produces and understand it. And if, if it's difficult to understand, uh, feel free to call a pathologist and ask questions. Exactly. I think that when it comes to your pathology report and it comes to a lot of patients, the problem with patients understanding their pathology report is because they don't know what they're looking at. And when they don't know what they're looking at, you think, obviously, you ask a question, right? You ask, what does this mean? What am I looking at? What am I reading? But we have a lot of patients who are either too nervous, embarrassed, scared to ask questions, or they just don't know what to ask. And so I guess uh, my question for you is, what advice would you give a patient or anyone really in what do you ask your pathologist when it comes to reading your pathology report? Well, first of all, I think it, it means changing our old habits, changing our culture from a time when the pathologist report went to the surgeon or the oncologist and the patient never actually saw it and was only told by the treating physician what was there to a time when it's so complicated, it's important for the patient and the families of these patients to understand the details of the molecular testing, for example, or the details of how far the tumor has spread mm -hmm. uh, so that the patient can be much more engaged in determining the best course of therapy uh, based on that person's individual uh, tumor characteristics. And so as a result, it's important to look at and understand that pathology report in each case, I would argue. For, for in terms of questions, uh, there's no question that's out of bounds. There's no question that's wrong. Uh, sometimes as you say, patients may feel foolish because they don't understand very well, but, but they have to understand that we physicians recognize that they didn't go to medical school, and I don't expect them to know some of these detailed words, but I'm here to help explain them to the patient and to the families so they have a better understanding of what it all means. It's important, I think, for the patients to go into their treatment confident that the diagnosis is accurate and the treatment is, is appropriate for their diagnosis. Last episode, and we hear a lot of patients when they explain their diagnosis from their oncologist, say that they have non-invasive or invasive, uh, you know, 
ductal carcinoma and um but can we briefly talk about the rate of cell growth so your pathology report may include information about the rate the rate of cell growth what portion of the cell within the tumor are growing and dividing to form new cancer cells and, and typically you hear people say a higher percentage suggests a faster growing more aggressive um, rather than a slower laid back uh, type of cell. So would you just um, tell us a little bit about what the rate of cell growth actually means in our pathology report and why should that, why is that so important to um, your diagnosis? Well, thank you for mentioning that. That's, that's often an overlooked uh, issue when we're talking to, with folks about breast cancer or any other cancer for that matter. There are certain cancers uh, both within the breast and outside the breast that are known as being very slow growing or, or one would even say indolent, which means that even though it's formally a cancer in that it is a neoplastic process, a neoplastic focus, it's growing so slowly that's unlikely to do too much harm to the patient and uh, maybe it's found when it's much smaller, etc. cetera. Uh, then there are cancers that are very fast growing and those spread quickly and cause much harm to the patient often are diagnosed when they're far advanced because they grow so quickly there are things that the pathologist can do when assessing the tissue to determine with some level of accuracy whether the tumor that's uh, being examined is a slow growing or a fast growing tumor or whether it's just sort of the, your average growth tumor uh, tumors generally don't grow that quickly uh, they just grow over so many years. Uh, there are those some um, that grow so quickly that you want to jump on them and treat them very quickly because they seem to be spreading much more quickly. By the same token, if something appears to be a little slower, then one can be, have comfort that it's likely that the, the patient can be uh, uh, made better treated because this tumor has not yet spread uh, far and wide as, as it may uh, uh, otherwise have. So the, the, the growth of the tumor cell is important. It may not be the most important factor, but it's one that I think the patient should understand. And I think it's critical to the, the entire uh, understanding of the patient's disease and the course of therapy that needs to follow. For example, perhaps uh, uh, more, uh, more focused uh, uh, chemotherapy or molecular therapy based on a fast-growing tumor, for example. So looking at... Um, you mentioned advanced uh, tumor growth. So can we take a look at, uh, are you referring to, uh, could triple negative breast cancer um, be considered uh, advanced or a rapidly growing tumor that is part of the reason why the invasive or non-invasive is important to know and understand? I would, I would separate those two out. Uh, I would say that uh, invasive and non-invasive has to do, in, in breast cancer uh, 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 terminology, has to do with whether the cancer has spread outside of the duct. You know, the breast has many ducts mm -hmm. um, that are there normally, and it's, it's within those ducts that cancers frequently grow and develop. And if the tumor is, is, is truly there but it's still retained its, its uh, position inside the duct, that, of course, is called intraductal uh, or, or uh, non-invasive. On the other hand, if the tumor has spread beyond the duct, outside of the duct, then that becomes a, a invasive breast cancer. And, of course, it's then considered a more serious disease. Intraductal carcinoma, which has not yet broken through the duct, uh, is thought to be 
uh, of course, have a better prognosis and, and maybe more easily treated. Now, when we talk about cripple negative breast cancer, we're talking about patients with a certain type of tumor and molecular profile that are known to be at higher risk for a, a bad outcome. And so we want to identify them and try to find the best ways of treating them given their triple negative status. So with triple negative, um, we often heard the type, the uncle type test. So is the uncle type test in determining treatment options, is that something that a, a patient should be asking for, especially if they suspect that they are triple negative? Whether whether it's necessary or not, it's certainly uh, appropriate to ask uh, one's physician whether or not an oncotype test would help. Sometimes the pathologist works up the the, the breast biopsy, and so in, in a way that the testing that's needed is already done, so an oncotype test may not be necessary. In other cases, the biopsy may be diagnosed at, uh, maybe not as fully without the full uh, profile that's appropriate, and in those cases, an oncotype test might be helpful to to better characterize the tumor. Uh, and, and, and of course, we will make sure that patients are treated uh, similarly, but there are some laboratories for which uh, the testing may not be done on all biopsies. This question is for uh, Molly. So Molly is uh, the youngest breast cancer um, that was had a double mastectomy at age 19. So Molly, when you were first diagnosed, um, did you ever think that your pathology report uh, would, would be utilized to render your diagnosis? And and if you would have known then, do you think you would have asked different questions now? Absolutely, because at the time of diagnosis, I also, I don't know if you would call it lucky or not, but I grew up with, my mother was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer when I was eight. So I grew up, and she also works um, in medical records at her hospital in Houston, Mississippi. So I grew up in a household where just knowing your medical documents was commonplace for me. But that is, I'm very aware that that is not common <laughs> in anybody else's household. Um, so for me, I just happen to have a basic gist or a better understanding of what a pathology report really is and what it in, uh, what it enta uh, entails. Um, I also had a mother who had gone through this, who knew what to look at and who knew the right questions to ask. Now, being 25 and had I not had that experience, I now know what questions to ask. So now when I have friends that go through this or I'm advising other people, I know now what to tell them to ask about. Or I've had friends hand me their pathology reports and say, I need you to explain to me what I'm looking at. And I always tell them, I'm not a medical professional, so you need to definitely ask your medical professional because I did not go to school for this. But from personal experience, I can tell you that this is what this says. Also, Dr. Allen, a common question that I get asked um, from either friends or people that I am helping or, or watching them or advising as they're going through their own breast cancer journey is when they get their diagnosis, and y'all talked a little bit about um, triple negative, triple positive, those types of things. But when people are asked, or I'm constantly asked, like, I was diagnosed with stage two, or I was diagnosed with stage four, I was diagnosed with stage one. What does that mean, right? And so I can explain it in like, you know, the best way that a Molly can explain it, but I would rather you explain um, what exactly the difference between being diagnosed with on your pathology port and being diagnosed with a stage one breast cancer diagnosis or a stage four. Well, I'll answer that stage question in a moment. But I do want to comment uh, immediately on uh, what you just uh, prefaced, which is uh, you 
now know there are questions that must be asked. I appreciate very much you're going to friends and saying, here, here's what you need to ask your doctor about this. I think, though, I'll, I'll go back to what I said earlier. We need to change our habits so that patients who don't have the, the, uh, the opportunity to, to know you or the good fortune to know you uh, are able to uh, freely call their pathologists and speak to them about their reports and get them uh, put, put into layperson's terms in a way that they can understand. I want my patients to have the power to be empowered for their own diseases uh, whether it's breast cancer or any other cancer, and the way to do that is to understand what one is up against. Uh, and I want my pathology colleagues to be there for them. I think, though, that the culture we, we've lived in so many, really, decades has been that the pathologist is in kind of behind the scenes, mm-hmm. and we want to change that and make sure we're there as partners for you, especially in our molecular era. The pathology report's gotten so complicated that it's almost impossible to understand it entirely without a little bit of a... Of, of a uh, discussion yeah now to your point about yeah well exactly and, and that's that's our role as as our our uh, as physicians to help our patients now to your to your point about staging uh it's common with cancer as we assess it to not only identify the histologic pattern or the specific type of cancer that we're dealing with but it's also important to see uh how far it's spread or how much has grown and that's called stage and these stages as we call them, uh, usually go from one to four uh, for all tumor types, whether it's breast or any other. And these help us assess uh, what appropriate therapy to give because this comes from uh, many, many studies over many years that have looked at patients with various levels of disease, various amounts of spread. And we've seen that you know those who have this amount of spread do better with this treatment. Those with this amount of sp- spread need a little more treatment or a little more aggressive treatment. And so we have standardized this in some guidelines that uh, we follow as cancer doctors. So one of the jobs is, of, of any physician is to make sure that the cancer is staged. Now, there are two ways to stage the disease. One is called clinical staging. One is called pathologic staging. And you, you do need to know the difference. Pathologic staging is a staging that I do by looking under the microscope. So, for example, if the, if the lymph nodes that are submitted with a mastectomy do not have any cancer in them, well, that's important for me to know to, to, to make sure the stage is correct. If the lymph nodes submitted to me in a, in a mastectomy uh, do have cancer within them, well, that will increase the stage of the disease. That's the pathologic staging. And when I sign out of breast cancer, I always make sure I put the pathologic staging as part of my report. That guides our colleagues who treat the patients uh, but on the other hand, I do not necessarily know by looking at a specimen whether the patient has the metastatic disease elsewhere because that wasn't biopsied or no tissue was taken. In that case, we, we turn to clinical staging in which the patient's overall appearance and radiologic studies don't show or do show a tumor elsewhere. And that will provide a, a, a clinical staging, which we would put together with the pathologic staging to ultimately say what stage the patient is, and that helps inform the appropriate therapy. Not only the appropriate therapy, but it also helps you dictate in the order of whether or not they should have um, a lumpectomy, if they should have a mastectomy, a double or a single, if they should have that before they go into treatment, if they should have um, treatment first to see if we can, you know, in 
you know, better, lack of a better word, like shrink the tumor and then um, go in and see what surgery would be needed afterwards. Um, it's just. Well, you're, you're ahead of me on this. That's exactly right. I was thinking of treatment in terms of the, the entirety. But as you say, there are some patients based on stage for whom getting chemotherapy before surgery is appropriate and those others uh, not so much. Uh, these these are complicated questions. That's why we pathologists need to work closely with our uh, treating colleagues, make sure that we're very, very comfortable that we're communicating these details very, very well. Uh, and as you say, not only is it uh, based, is this staging help determine treatment, it also informs uh, outcomes and informs survival yeah. in patients. So it's just very important to, to know what the stage is and know what that means. Awesome. Doing my research, I found that after surgery, the pathologist examined what is called the rim of tissue, um, called the surgical margin or oh, yeah, the margin of resection. Mm -hmm. So is this a standard of care that, that um, all pathologists use, or, or how can patients request that this is done or know that they are actually, uh, their rim of tissue, once they've had surgery, has been examined by a pathology? And what does that mean? Well, this would be something I don't think a patient would have to request. Uh, that is to say, if a patient has surgery, that tissue is submitted to the pathologist for processing and diagnosis. And the pathologist has an, op has an obligation with the breast cases, and among other types of tumors as well, but certainly the breast cases, to make sure that the margin of the excision uh, is, is examined, whether it's a mastectomy or a lumpectomy. Uh, it's important to know whether there's tumor uh, involving the surgical margin that was resected at the time of surgery from the patient. And so it's, it's, uh, it seems like it's something that could be obvious to the, to, to the naked eye. In fact, it's not. Uh, tumor in the breast can spread in ways that are really not obvious, uh, but you can see them under a microscope. So pathologists are very careful to ink the specimen. What, what I mean by ink is that we use different colors of ink on the various margins. So the medial margin or lateral margin or superior margin, et cetera, all get a different color ink because if we do find tumor has spread to the edge of that specimen, we need to know which side it was on, and then we communicate that to our surgeons. And if they need to go back and take another little rim of tissue to make sure it's completely excised, they will do so. Uh, that happens sometimes. Our surgeons, of course, do their best to make sure they have completely excise the yeah. tumor and often do a great job when it's a big lump, but sometimes it can finger out through the breast tissue in a way that's not obvious. Mm -hmm. That's why the, the margins are so important. They are. It's the first, it's the literal first question that my mom asks. If I'm, if I ever have come with to her with questions about any of my friends, when I just recently had a friend undergo a double mastectomy, the first question she asked me was, well, what were her margins? first thing. So when I went to my friend and talked to her about it and she showed me her pathology report and she's like, what does some of this mean? And I read it off to her and I said, well, what were your margins? And she was like, I don't really know what that means. And I said, girl, do I need to come with you to your doctor? Like, we will go do this together. <laughs> and I guess this well, is why absolutely. this is so important because most people uh, aren't familiar with their pathology report. And, and then some people are just so um, afraid to, to just think about and just sit down with their oncologist for fear of um, not being on the medical level mm -hmm. to have a, a conversation. Not only uh, that, but it's just a hard conversation in general. Right. And then also, I know a lot of people who don't, who feel as though they're taking up too much time from their, either their oncologist, their surgeon, um, 
you know, their pathologist, anybody, that they're just taking up too much of their time. And I'm sitting here going, this is your life we're talking about. Like, all you have is time right now. Like, we're going to fight and we're going to figure it out. Right. Well, that's that's exactly right. Uh, I would say that uh, look, all I know about pathology and medicine and breast disease and other diseases, I learned since I went to medical school. Before I went to medical school, I didn't know this either. None of us did. And so it's not... Uh, odd that a patient will not understand what's going on in their bodies. They've not been trained to. Uh, we physicians understand that. Certainly we pathologists do and are more than happy to explain things, I think, in a way that can be understood more generally without using all the long you know, jargon that we, we put in our reports. Uh, in terms of taking up the doctor's time, I think you have to leave it to the physician to manage her or his own schedule, and you take all the time you need to ask the questions that you need to ask. And I would strongly suggest writing these down before you go because in the middle of your doctor's appointment, it's sometimes it's easy to forget. So write them down and ask them. Absolutely do. Are there any new um, directions and discoveries on the horizon uh, as far as uh, pathology and using it and rendering diagnosis for any disease? Well, I would say this. I'd say that, that we've entered in the last five or so years the molecular era, and I think breast disease actually ushered it in uh, even sooner than that with HER2 uh, testing and, and uh, therapies. What we're looking for in cancers, whether it's breast or any other, is what we call an actionable marker. That is, there's a molecular focus on that individual person's tumor cell for which there is a corresponding treatment that will attack or kill that tumor cell. This is not chemotherapy, which is basically poison that kills all dividing cells, uh, but this is uh, the, the molecular therapy focuses on the tumor cell itself and leaves all the other cells alone, which is different, by the way, from immunotherapy, which you hear about, for example, PD-L1 uh, is, is a kind of a hot topic. Immunotherapy uh, treats uh, patients with cancer by stimulating the, their own immune system to fight the cancer itself. So that's they're, they're besides surgery and chemotherapy, which are our traditional methods of uh, dealing with uh, breast cancer, as well as radiotherapy in certain situations. Uh, we now have molecular therapy and potentially immunotherapy uh, to assist us. This is all fast moving. There's a lot of research being done in all areas of cancer uh, uh, treatment, including breast. And so, you know, we, we stay hopeful that we're going to find better and better ways of treating patients with various types of breast cancer. Uh, and other cancers, so that they will have a, a prolonged survival and hopefully even one day uh, a better chance for cures. Beautiful. Beautiful. I, I've learned so much about a pathology report. I, I, I think I could really look at one and, and really identify some key things that right, we can practice because <laughs> this has been an amazing part one and part two of understanding our pathology report. And before, um, I, you know, these two episodes, I, I, was, I used to look at my niece who um, has stage four metastatic colon cancer and not really understand um, what was some of the stuff that was included in her pathology report, but now I feel empowered after talking to Dr. Allen and just going through these two series of, of your pathology report. I feel more confident when speaking with her doctors, with her, and just being able to uh, understand some of the basic terminology that, that you have explained. So this has been just 
a eye opener and I think it is such an eye opener to our listeners as well. Um, so thank you for joining us for another episode of the Susan G. Coleman Memphis Mid-South Mississippi Pink Podcast. This podcast is proudly sponsored by the D.L. Dykes Jr. Foundation Producers of Faith and Reason. You can learn more about their work at www.faithandreason.org If you want to support this podcast and Susan G. Coleman Memphis Mid-South Mississippi, you can visit us on the web at www.comanmemphismms.org. Please join us for the 21st annual Susan G. Komen Race for the Cure to be held on April 25th, 2020 in downtown Jackson, Mississippi. For more information on how to register to become a racer, visit us at www.comanmemphismms.org.